Well, I see that a number of you have heard that it's Lent this week, and you've arrived early to start your penance. Is this? <laughs> I don't really know what else this could mean. Um, just to remind you, scheduling-wise, this is the last week we're going to look at Matthew. We're not going to make it all the way through. I'm just way too slow and tedious. Um, next week, we're going to start uh, reading chapter 1 of a book called The Last Week. I have a sample. I'll hold it up. I have only a few copies left, but I can get them quickly on Amazon Prime in like two days. It's $9. I've got to tell you, rereading this book, um, it's... This going to sound strange when I say it. It's actually a helpful book to read. So <laughs> I just want to say that up front. The book talks about ways that um, <clears throat> ways of understanding Jesus actually that are very authentic, that are very different from recent moves in Christianity that most of us have sort of been raised in, frankly, and and they're life-giving. They're, they're life-giving. They're from biblical scholars who are serious, right? Who take faith seriously and who take biblical authority seriously. And it just offers quite a bit. So shameless plug. This is about, obviously, the Passion Week. And there are seven days in that week. So we'll read each, um, each week in Lent. We'll read another day until we get to Palm Sunday. Uh, and, and, and we'll have to double down once or twice to sort of finish, because on Easter we're not having an adult forum, I'll tell you now. Um, but whether you, it, I also have this on CD, uh, I'm willing to loan CD, okay? You can get it on Kindle, yeah, I mean, it's popular, it's really, really quite, quite good. I really can't say enough good things about it. It was one of those books that actually helped me quite a bit. Maybe. I know you can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and maybe. You can find it in the narthex <laughs> as well. I've got about five of them left. Okay, well, let's pray, and then we'll start talking about Matthew. The Lord be with you. Let's pray. God, we would ask that you would guide us toward a deeper understanding of your gospel, especially through Matthew's eyes, so we can live it and be good news to the world. Amen. Okay, so last week we kind of were really, really slow. Again, what's new with me, right? And we made it somewhat to some of the parables, and that's where I left you scratching your head, I'm afraid. Um, but maybe I can retreat a little bit back. You know, um, there's, there's something interesting about parables. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of work gone out there, and just want to say something about them in general. Um, it was one of my better classes in seminary, the, the, the parables of Jesus, because the teacher was... <laughs> Was, um, he, was, he was actually pretty special, I think. You know, one of those like, intellectual people who, who can phrase things in such a way that they always sound smart, even if it's about like Taco Bell. You know, like, oh, that's deep. Anyway, uh, he was a brilliant guy, you know, and, and, and part of the work he did was a little bit um, redefining what parables could mean. So I just want to tell you there's kind of three ways that we can think about parables. One is, and, and this was really popular about 30 years ago, that parables make a single point. Right? So if you're getting multiple points out of a parable, you're over... <laughs> Thank you, this is amazing, right? Only at a place like St. Thomas do you get hospitality like that. I want you to know. Thank you. Yeah, in Coronado, we don't get that kind of hospitality. Okay, anyway. Um, single point, only out of a parable. So if you read something like, say, the the prodigal son, which we all know, right? There's the boy that spends all the money and comes home, and then there's the older brother that's really mad. 
that method says there really should only be one point to that story or you've overcomplicated it. The reason that one point reading came up is because prior to that, and this is actually what helped convert St. Augustine from paganism to Christianity. This really started with people like Ambrose of Milan. They read parables as allegories, thinly veiled allegories, and every single detail and punctuation mark represented some greater, deeper thing. And so if you went to a monastic study with Ambrose or Augustine, you would find all kinds of pontifications about what um, the desire to feed the food, eat the food that the pigs were eating might have meant, figuratively, spiritually, not historically, they weren't into that, um, but what that could possibly, possibly mean, so that these parables were condensed versions of epics. So the single point was probably a valid corrective, right? But what we learned in class, and I think this is very interesting, again, I told you this is an intellectual guy, he had a math degree, which says a lot about him, right? And something really wrong with people who major in math, right? <laughs> there is, you know, like physics is helpful, you solve problems. You know what you do in math is you create new problems. That's what mathematicians do, they make new problems every day. So this might be what he did. Um, he said, you know, really there's this other way to study parables, which is that they're comparing something you don't know, the kingdom of God, to things that you know. However, the comparison is not one that should be made. And I told you this a little bit last week, where I told you that one way to read that the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman needs through dough, you can read it very simply. Faith starts really tiny, microscopically, grows up, you know. Of course, if you push on it too hard, faith makes you gassy, because that's what yeast does, right? It makes gas pockets in the bread. Now, you know plenty of religious people that are full of hot air. Let's be honest, right? One of them's talking to you right now. So you can push on that stuff, and it starts to become unhelpful. But another way to think about it is, as I told you last week, that if you're Jewish, and Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience, the, the, the most regular and dirty stuff there is, if you're Jewish, is yeast. Because during Passover, you don't eat it right? During the Holy Week, you don't eat that plain, old, dirty yeast. Beyond that, if you're Jewish, women are unclean at least a quarter of the month. Unclean. Which means that if a woman touches you, could make you unclean, which could mean you can't go to the temple, which can also mean you have to be quarantined outside the city for a number of days, possibly. So how could the kingdom of God be like dirty, unclean yeast that a dirty, unclean woman needs into some bread? Now, now this says the teacher that I had that I really enjoyed. This is, this is what parables do, you see. Everybody knows about yeast in women. But to say the kingdom of God is like those things is really a stretch, right? And proof in the pudding when you read the stories when the disciples hear the parables they have no idea what they mean they say jesus explained that to us and jesus says are you so dull like how do you not know but I, but i think this is how is we got to think of this criterion right if the people who were with jesus didn't know what he was saying we'd be a little silly to think we completely understand right because we're we're really removed we don't get to hear his tone or see his body language, and they did, and they still didn't understand. 
Does this make sense what I'm saying? I'm building a case that there's actually multiple ways to hear these, and, and there could be this very difficult way. By the way, if you think that faith starts really small and gets big, you're probably right. There's nothing wrong with that interpretation, because I think it bears down an experience, right? Um, that's what's, I think, good about the Bible, actually, uh, and part of the reason we call it Scripture against other books is that there's lots of ways to read it correctly. Lots of ways. Lots of different layers, right? Most other books, there's one or two ways to read it correctly. Does it, you know what I mean? But, but here, there's multiple, multiple layers. Uh, I think that's part of the reason we call it sacred. Okay, so back to this whole business about parables. Um, you ever had somebody tell you a joke and you didn't get it? Ever? And then you asked them to explain it, and they did. Did it make the joke funny? Yeah, and this is what the teacher said. Parables are like that. You either get the joke or you don't get the joke. Right? And if I explain it to you in some ways, it's like, oh, well, that wasn't, that, that wasn't really that cool. You know? um, again, this is a heady math guy, right? He makes problems. But, but, I, but I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm saying all of this stuff first because we're going to talk about some of these parables now.